Official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day as we're hunkered down. We're ready for spring snow again, I guess. I don't know. We're getting ready for a spring snowstorm, which really ticks me off because my son's supposed to come home from college, but uh, anyway he comes, either through Manitoba or southeastern Saskatchewan, I don't think he's making it for Easter, but we shall see. I got my fingers crossed. Our show today brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. I always like to approach this show like Ballsy and Friends. We're going to hear before 5 o'clock Josh Donnelly, quarterback of the Rams. He's playing in the East-West Shrine game. That's a, a nice a showcase for the young U-Sports talent. Kelly Rempel will join us at 4.30, teeing up the Pats and uh, the Winnipeg Ice. They've got two games in Winnipeg and then one against Moosha to wrap up their season, but there's a flaw in the slaw. Thursday was supposed to be game one at the Wayne Fleming Arena. They postponed that due to the inclement weather that's on the way. I see the Jets Kraken game also postponed. We are going to also uh, talk to uh, Mike Kelly just after five o'clock from the NHL Network. We'll ask him some various questions around the NHL as it uh, relates to numbers and his uh, quirky look at the NHL through an, an analyst eyes from an analytic standpoint. And a guy who loves numbers. Not only number one's a one, yes. but he loves numbers in terms of baseball. It is the lounge. Colin Lovequist joining me to kick off the show because we couldn't get enough of him during the <laughs> afternoon. I brought you on because I wanted to talk about this for a very long time. First of all, my friend, uh, condolences to you and your family in the passing of your mom. I, uh, yeah, I it's appreciate a, that. It's uh, never easy, right? That's and, the nature of the beast. You yeah. can't live without nah. dying. So, yeah. How's you know, dad doing? Everybody's doing good. You know, yeah. we're trying to get back into a routine. Yeah. And you find that some sense of normality and life continues. Yeah. You know, just keep trugging along. So it does continue with your favorite team, the Toronto Yay! Blue Jays. They're off How to- about that last night? Oh, oh. wow. Whoa. But you know what? For a change, at least the pitching looked good, yeah. right? The pitching looked good. You know why I brought you on here? Because it's this time of year, as we're 51 minutes away from the opening pitch in the Bronx, Jays and Yankees game too. It's this time of year where I always get excited about cards because baseball oh. makes me think of cards and card collecting. People wouldn't, maybe some people don't know this. You are a huge card collector. How did you get into collecting cards? Well, I've always always gravitated towards the game Flexies. I, I'm sure there's other regions that uh, had a different name for it, but you put a card up against the wall. Yeah. And then the two of you square off. You each take out a stack of 50 or 100 cards. And you back up at least 10 yards. Whoever knocks the card down that's leaned up against the wall gets the pile that's on the floor. And I've ruined a lot of Gretzky's and uh, Mary Lemieux's. Well, maybe not that late, but uh, early back in the 70s, I I ruined a lot of good cards. But it was fun. That's how I got addicted. It's an addiction. I tried to be the cool, (laughs) like tattoos. I tried to be a cool guy on the the block back in the day. Got a new BMX bike, and my dad got me the bike, and I put the Wayne Gretzky rookie card in the spokes to sound cool <laughs> why couldn't i like put a mike Lute yeah, in there yeah. did you ever trade away or get I, rid of a card that you you regret to this day i've got a few but speaking of gretzky i traded my gretzky for a jerry korab i don't know what the sense was about that but <laughs> i don't know gretzky just came out and I, the, the card it wasn't actually a good looking card you know yeah i didn't really hold it up and go oh that's glamorous i'm gonna keep yeah. that in my collection it was so it was just a 
I don't know, not a good-looking car, and I thought, I'm going to get something for it. And I always admired Jerry Korab's big, puffy hairdo and those sideburns. <laughs> so I thought, I'm going to trade it for Jerry Korab. Beauties in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> so, Lounge, how many binders would you have? Oh, man, oh, man. Well, I've downsized just because I'm getting to that stage in my life where it's time to think about it. But at one point, I've had uh, two storage rooms, uh, a bedroom, a couple of closets full of shoe boxes and binders and uh, just... how do you downsize that though like how do you like well, it's like you've collected in their memories the stuff that i think that i want i hang on to and the stuff that i appreciate i hang on to and if there's stuff that i know it's commons and you get boxes of commons for every one good card when you buy a set or buy a box you get one two good cards and you get 150 crappy cards and that maybe not crappy but cards that just don't you know, so just, do you go into it? Not so fun. do you go into it, and you say, "Okay, I'll use." Uh, you're looking for the Michael Ball radio trading card, and you go in there to grab. You, you want that card, so do you go on a flyer and buy a bunch just for the hopes of getting that one card that you need? Yeah, we used to, but now it's uh, it's a big boys game nowadays, and it's uh, financially lucrative. If you get that one big card, before you could buy a couple of boxes, hoping you hit that one rookie card, which I did for years, decades. And nowadays, uh, they've taken out the retailers. The middleman has come in and sort of ruined the whole concept of collecting because they make big bucks. A box of cards, back in, even five years ago, you get a, a box for 100 bucks. Now those same boxes are going for four or $500. Like, it's wow. crazy. That is crazy. So I, uh, I'm sort of a prospect collector now. I try to buy my cards cards before they make it into the majors because you mm. get them a little cheaper and uh, you just it, it's it's a nice feeling when you've speculated on somebody over the years and they finally come to fruition and hit the majors and make it so there's a fire at the love quest yeah. lounge okay there's oh, a no. there's a fire at the love quest lounge and you got to save your significant other the lovely and talented donnie and what card are you saving well i actually have got a complete shoe box holds probably about 300 cards that is the box that I have to grab when I when something okay. like that happens. I've already got this planned out in my head. <laughs> my fire escape plan includes grabbing this box of cards. Uh, but if there's, I had to pick one, it would be a 54 Tops Roberto Clemente Pirates. How did you come into that one? I just had a friend that was collecting. He got it, and uh, he wasn't really into the older cards. And I sort of like to, if I can trade new for old, I'm all about that because production runs are a lot less. And they just, I don't know, it's just... Uh, especially a guy like Clemente he's just done so much on and off the field that it was a must to have I gave him a few hundred dollars for it back then wow. that was about 25 years ago and it's appreciated wow. greatly since then it's yeah I'm not, I'm not some gonna... soft corners yeah, but you know yeah. it's okay just... so 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 like is yours are a lot of yours graded or was we no. like to call raw they're raw. I don't grade, and I should grade because you can get some big bucks. The trout just went for two point four million. It graded ten out of ten, and I think there's a population of maybe one. That's mm. the one that went for big bucks. But uh, I'm 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 sort of really uh, leery because if you send them off to get graded, you got to send them to Texas, or I'm not sure where the PSA. Is that an expensive process? Yeah, and it's like fifty bucks a card, and they've changed the rules. And the higher the grade, or the the more valuable the card, the more they charge to grade it. So, and I'm not sure I'm going to get the same card back. So I got this little piece of me going, "Don't do it. You're not going to get that same card back." Oh, they're gonna, they could rip they're you off. Switch and bait, or bait uh, and switch you, and yeah, because is there a checks and balances really? Yeah, and they. 
if I, if I, if I send a card and I'll, I'll go through with a mic, micro, uh, magnifying glass yeah. and then I make sure there's no scratches, no soft corners. And if I think it's a gem mint and I get something back that's got a little nick in the corner, oh, that's not my card. I don't know if this <laughs> translates no, now, uh, but back in the day, I loved uh, collecting CFL cards, and it was a way to get the young folks, young mm -hmm. kids, into the game, right? Mm -hmm. I, you said it's a rich man's game, so maybe that isn't the, the case anymore. But do you have any CFL cards, cool ones that you collected? Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to find a George Reed. I've got a George Reed rookie from 64, Yeah, but it's a little banged up, and it's got some creases, so I'm trying to find a clean one. And because the print count was a little lower, uh, they were a little more valuable to find in mint shape. But I've got a 61 uh, Ron Lancaster that uh, is probably the cleanest one I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot. So what do you mean is, by, so it's what, mint. what does it mean by clean? It's mint. The corners are sharp. There's no creases. There's no smudge marks. There's no gum stains on the back. Nobody's taken their pen and put a mustache on them. You know, it is, it is sharp as sharp can be. So I would like to get that one graded someday and maybe... Uh, I don't know. Put it towards my retirement. Yeah, plan. well, you're in radio. You don't. Yeah. Your, reti your retirement plan is t-shirts <laughs> and coffee mugs. Hey, so, but it's a very fluctuating world. Like you were telling me, like a guy makes a, a, a has a start, and his, uh, you know, his his value in his card goes up and down. Yeah. Well, it, it's sort of like playing the markets, you know. Uh, if you've got a, a guy that's hot and he's on a hot streak and the supply and demand is there, when the, when the demand is there, that card goes up in value. So it's like watching the markets every day, the stock markets. And uh, if he's on a, a tear like Vladdy Guerrero is these days and Shoei Otani. So, so, so you mentioned two guys. Are Those are two guys. Are those the two of the bigger names oh, you yeah. want now? Uh, yeah. Fernando Tatis, another one, my guy? Yeah, it's Fernando Tatis. He's just got to stay healthy and his... Uh, cards will appreciate in value but right now because he is hurt there's a lot of guys selling his cards because they're not sure if he's gonna play on a regular yeah. basis like he might only get 70 80 games in a year yeah and collectors want the the guys that do the 162 games a year and yeah like trout has lost his value a little bit just because he's getting long in the teeth, a little older, not playing as would much. His would his value have gone? By the way, we got a Anne from McLean. She had a story and accidentally got disconnected. Please call us back, 936-6262, or you can call us toll-free, 1-866-767-0620. Do you think Trout would be uh would he be more popular if he played new york or boston oh, as opposed sure. to la oh there's markets and I, that's when i collect too i or prospect i'll look at uh, prospects on tampa bay tampa bay has got one of the best pitching staffs like the coaches on the tampa bay pitching staff is the best so when you see some of those guys like uh sh sh the mcclanahan that's yep. coming up now and a few yep. others you keep their eye on them because their cards 20 bucks now but if they go to the yankees or atlanta mm. or the mets even the dodgers that card goes from 20 dollars to 75 maybe even 100 bucks because there's more of a demand is there somebody on the jays that's an up-and-comer that we don't really know about that you're kind of watching as a card well, collector anybody that knows the jays and follows the minors gabriel marino who is the uh the catcher of the future He's going to be the Mike Piazza type, you know. He'll go 30-30, yeah. maybe bat 280, 290. Uh, he is one to watch. And then there's another guy. Uh, uh, he's uh, he's a part of the uh, 
first name is Miguel, and I'm just trying to think of his second last name. But he's 17 years old, yeah, and uh, he's destined for good things as a defensive shortstop. Yeah, and uh, he's another one that that you have to watch for. But again, anything can happen between now and by the time they get to the AAA or Double A. How about um, like some of these, like you know, Drive to Survive made Formula One big. Has it? Is it? You know, are those cards taken off or soccer cards? Soccer is huge. You try to buy a. Uh, Pele or Ronaldo, uh, Messi, Messi, yeah, it just because it's soccer's a worldwide yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. So everybody was is chasing those cards, and it's it's taken off. And again, it's like a they've cut out the uh, the the retailers and the small market sellers, and now everybody is spending big bucks. Would you get on Bedard early? I would. I've got his first one that the Pats released there about two years ago. He came out with that. Uh, mm-hmm that uh set and i i got a couple and i think he is uh he's a good one to scout out and watch and uh, he should be of a value not only on the ice but in the collector's world so um so uh how long have you been with donnie for now 32 years okay so how does she like the fact you collect all these cards is that mm. does, does that get it uh, no, is that a bone of contention at all no no not at all you know what uh once you start wheeling and dealing and selling a few here and there yeah. and you can see what you spot pit paid for it or traded for it then what you uh the end game is what you get out of it yeah. uh, it can be lucrative i just uh, i'm one of those guys i hold them close to my heart and it's, yeah. I, it's hard to get rid of them some some of them yeah yeah so um the vladdy guerrero had said uh vladdy the uh, vladdy guerrero uh, had said this is going to be a um the movie this year. Last year was the, the trailer. trailer. This is is the this going to be? Is this going to be a blockbuster or is it going to be a flop? I don't know. The expectation. I wish they wouldn't have uh, just revved it up so high because the expectations are here. The bar has been set here. Yeah. And uh, you know, just a couple of injuries can change the whole outlook of the season. And then what I saw from Ryu the other day, I know he's a. Uh, He's always around that 2.53 ERA, but, uh, you know, if he's uh, not on his game, that could be a, a, a one in the rotation that needs to be looked at. And it's it's going to come down to pitching and relief. That's basically... Do you like the ums? Fires the bats. We're, we're do you like going. the umps with the mics? I do. I do like the... Uh, it just causes a little more excitement, you know? I've, I've watched them, you know, yeah, I... I you see them on the field and they're twiddling their thumbs waiting for the call and they come yeah. out and they just throw their arm up and mm. give the out signal or the safe signal but to have them look into the camera and say the batter was found safe or the call is being overturned yeah the runner is safe uh, that's just it's another awesome. dimension of excitement hey before we go to break here and we'll uh, say goodbye to you in a second lounge let's take a quick call here from john the habs fan go ahead john you're on the sports cage Hello, Colin. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing good, Johnny boy. How you doing? Hey, not too bad. Hey, Colin, do you just collect baseball, or do you do uh, just uh, football? I dabble in everything. I'm not. Uh, I'm not particular. I, I I love baseball, so I'm, a majority of my collection is baseball. But uh, we still touch on the hockey, and I've bought some country artist uh, cards that came out years ago that are hard to find, and I'm still collecting some beehives from uh, the Montreal Canadiens, which I know you're familiar with, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh, a little bit of this and a whole lot of that. Yeah, I, I don't touch the baseball. I used to, and then I sold what I had. But I'm I'm more into the hockey. I've got uh, I've got a, quite a good collection. I've got some Connor McDavid's that are worth uh, a few bucks. There you go. Well, that could be a good down payment on maybe a mortgage or uh, maybe send the kid off to university. Yeah, and I got a dry saddle that's uh, only two of them in in the world, and it's a one of two. And I have 
the number one, and I'm looking for the second one. Good luck. Have you got the first one graded? I guess you wouldn't really want to grade your uh, limited ones like that because there's no sense spending that kind of money. But uh, to find the second one, boy, that's going to be like, uh, you know, finding a needle in a haystack. Yeah, Yeah, that's true, and I'm I'm hoping to find it because I know if I have uh, both, um, who knows what they'll be worth? I, I would think. Well, you, you know, be, you, better, you got a, you got a new best friend in Colin Lovequist and Michael Ball. You better hope I don't find it because I know you want it. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, John, thanks for the call, man. You have a great day, buddy. Thanks, Take care. Man. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, well, look at I could probably have you in here every other week and uh, you hey. have people calling, man. I love talking If, if you cars. need a sports appraiser or something, yeah. you let me know. Okay, absolutely. I will. Thanks for coming in, lads. Really appreciate it. That's Colin Love. Do I get that sports cage hat for being a uh, guest? I'll have to think about okay. that. I don't know what the budget is. <laughs> I'll, I'll trade you. Yeah. <laughs> I, got a, uh, a Jerry, a... I got a Jerry Corab card oh, real yeah. cheap. I thought maybe you'd give me the 61 Lancaster card. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk to Josh Donnelly of the Regina Rams. This is the sports cage for Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And welcome back to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Ballsy with you. Our show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. That was a fun chat with the lounge. Colin Lovequist talking about cards. Still uh, still a market for it, but like you heard from him, it's a rich man's game. Our text line is powered by Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan. Or check that. No, it's powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. For the first time in two years, the East-West Shrine Game is back. It features and showcases young talent in youth sports and one of four Regina Rams in the game coming up at McMaster University in May, and that would be our friend Josh Donnelly, quarterback of the University of Regina Rams, who does join us on the Western Pizza Hotline. How's the uh, off-season been, Josh? It's great. It's uh, it's busy, but um, making the most of it and just enjoying it, enjoying the time off. Have you guys, uh, are you back on the field? Are you getting back on the field soon? How does your workouts uh, look for the University of Regina Rams? Uh, so for the most part of the winter, we're in indoors just training uh we have one positional workout a week um but last week actually we had our winter camp which uh was four days inside at the soccer facility mm-hmm. at uh, Evraz, and then we had a weekend practices uh outside uh in the rain a little bit on saturday and then in the wind on sunday so wasn't it uh, wasn't the best weather for that but um, yeah, we got to get outside, so that was nice. Now, this uh, game takes place on uh, Saturday, May the 7th. Uh, Josh Donnelly is taking part along with his teammates Parker Hodel, uh, Josh White, and Jackson Ford. Josh, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, your season last year? Let's start there. Uh, how would you sum up your season last year personally? Um, short, I would say. I only got to play three games. I was I missed the second half of the season because mm. uh, of injury, but... Otherwise, I think we were disappointed. I think we had a pretty high expectations going into the year and um, fell short in a couple games and just a couple unlucky bounces here and there. But I think ultimately the big thing is just a learning experience. I think everybody, um, as tough as it was to go through, came out better, and uh, we're looking forward to next season. If you're comfortable, I can't remember, but maybe you can fill us in. What was the injury situation about last year for you? Uh, I got a concussion in week three 
um, and then ended up missing the last three weeks of the season. Was that your first uh, concussion that you, uh, and I'm not saying this to be joking, is that the first one you remember or the first serious one that you've had? Um, it's my second diagnosed, um, and it would be more serious than the last one. Um, I had one in 2019, but I only missed one, well, uh, two weeks. Yeah. So this one was a little bit more serious. That's what I thought. And and how did you suffer the concussion, if you don't uh, mind me asking? I don't uh, rec- remember a particular play. It was just kind of just after the game, started to get some symptoms, and then had to go get checked up by a doctor, and the rest is history. Now, I know I've had some concussions. Uh, if you hear me put together a couple of sentences, you probably know that, too. But I, I don't think I've ever had anything really diagnosed. What were your symptoms? Like, what was, and was it scarier than the first time around? Um, definitely scarier. It gets worse, and it's just not going away. Um it was just headaches and a little bit of dizziness at the start, and then you kind of just feel like you're in a fog, I guess is kind of the, the best way to put it. You're a little slower, and kind of by the end, you're not necessarily, like, hurting by any means, but you can just know something's a little bit off, everything's a little bit slower, yeah. stuff like that. Health-wise, though, you're feeling good now? Feeling good, yeah. I've had plenty of time off, plenty of time to get back in the gym and get back throwing, and, yeah, feeling ready to roll. So what is one thing you want to focus on this year yourself? Um, I think just just keep getting better in all aspects. I mean, I'm getting into more and more of a leadership role, being an older guy on the team, and I think just keep getting better. Um, I can't be making you know rookie mistakes anymore, um, and then I got to keep bringing other players up. It's it's I think it's a team game, and we all know that. And I'm only as good as the guys around me. So bring those young guys up and keep making plays with uh, the older guys on the team with me. Do you do you learn to be a leader, or is that just something that you have? You're either a leader or you're not. I think it's a bit of both. There's definitely guys that are just kind of born with that um, leadership skill. But I think at the same time, and I think our coaches do a really good job of preaching that you can teach and build leadership. And we do a lot of things with our – we have a leadership uh, – position leadership group on our team um, where we actually work on building leadership skills, whether it's communication, um, accountability, all that sort of things that, you know, different ways to become leaders so that we can – um, grow it within our team and get more and more leaders through our team. Do you uh, have that take charge mentality in the huddle, Josh Donnelly? Absolutely. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, nothing goes on in my huddle. <laughs> is that? Uh, how no do you make? Do you make? Do you make that clear at the start of the year? Or is that just uh, something that everybody knows now? I think it's something that everyone knows. You're gonna make it clear right at the start, and then um, as the young guys come in, they know. Nothing Nothing flies in there. Physically, what do you want to do to improve on? I know you had talked to me in the past about, and you're a young guy, or I talked to you a couple of years and you were just young coming in. You wanted to make sure you put on a little bit of weight so you had kind of more of a sturdier frame. Is that still your mentality? Have you taken steps towards that? Yeah, it seems like that's been my mentality for the past couple of years, but definitely uh, making progress. That's still one of my goals is just to keep putting on a little bit of weight. Um, it's, it's that balance between you want to be putting on relatively good weight so you don't want to just be eating junk food all the time but i'm uh, slowly making my way up there so yeah it's coming along now your uh, playmaking ability something that struck me when i was calling the games the last time i was doing it a couple years ago three years ago you're like there's one play you're scrambling you throw the ball over your back like a magic johnson like a like almost like you're a point guard it was i think i called it houdini like did you always have that playmaking ability and where did you get that from um, I want to say I have. I don't know if uh, my coaches will believe that. It might have just came out of nowhere. But 
Um, I honestly, I, I really think it comes from my basketball background, just uh, being able to pass the ball on the basketball court, seeing all different uh, angles and, you know, the corner of your eye, all that sort of stuff. So I think maybe there's some correlation there. I don't really know. Yeah, so you're you're going to be down there at the East-West game. What do you know about this game? Uh, four, you and three of your teammates, be kind of cool to share that experience with uh, with Josh, Jackson, and Parker. Uh, but what do you know about this uh, a game? I don't know a ton. Um, it's, uh, I guess, a prospect game for kind of the guys that are a year out of their upcoming draft year. Um, so it'll be exciting to, you know, go meet a bunch of the other top players in the country and get to compete against you know the best in the nation i'm looking forward to it yeah so like in terms of uh, getting out there like do you get a playbook in in enough time because you don't want to look like a fool and especially at the quarterback spot you got to know how the offense is being run how does that work from that angle um honestly i don't really know too much yet i think they're kind of letting us focus on our finals right now before they give us Mm -hmm. too much information but um i'm assuming it's going to be a pretty basic playbook considering it's i think five practices and then only one game so They'll probably keep it pretty simple for us. Student athlete. That's right. It's half uh, half athlete, half student. What are you taking in school, Donnelly? Just finishing up my business degree. Okay. And uh, how, t- how challenging is that to be a guy that's a quarterback and has to know a thick playbook, a thick Mark McConkie playbook, and then also uh, put on your other hat and be in studies? It's got to be uh, time management's got to be of the essence. Big time. Yeah, a lot of... Uh... A lot of organization, a lot of time management, and it's just, especially uh, in the season is when it gets really tough with all the traveling and stuff, and you really got to prioritize, you know, not a lot of Netflix happening (laughs) during the season between, you know, how much time you're going to spend in class and then watching film and getting ready for next week's opponent, so... Yeah, a lot of time management, but it's it's good. It's part of uh, part of the job. Two more quick questions for you. How excited are you as a Canadian quarterback to see what's maybe going on in BC with two Canadians there? Now I know uh, the one guy for sure was trained down in the states, Nathan Rourke. Uh, Michael O'Connor played at uh, UBC. That's where he got most of his playing time. But he did have a cup of coffee with Penn State, so people might refer to their U.S. background. But uh, as a Canadian quarterback, how excited are you to see maybe a Canadian with a chance to open doors for guys like you? It's awesome. I mean, it's just so cool. I've been following those guys since they were both in, you know, their early university careers and in high school, and uh, I've been looking up to them, you know, in my career and as I've gotten older, and um, it's just really awesome to see just they're really opening the door for for guys like me and Canadian quarterbacks all all over the country. And I I understand, so you're down May 7th in McMaster. Is your sister not down uh, in Carleton, I believe? Like, isn't she on the female flag football team from the U of R, or am I off my rocker when I say that? No, you're right. I think, yeah, they head down to Ottawa the same weekend, and my parents are going to have to make a tough decision on which games they're watching on that weekend. <laughs> Who's She's the quarterback, too, is she not? Yeah, yeah, their own runs in the family, I guess. So what's her first name, sorry? Megan. So who's the better quarterback, Josh Donnelly or Megan Donnelly? Uh, you don't want me to answer that one. <laughs> well, I do, because I asked. A lot of, uh, lot of different opinions. Um, she can sure sling it though, and her stats are definitely better. I, I hear about it from uh, our coaches all the time that her stat line is always better than mine. So I'll leave it at that. Are you guys tight? Do you throw the ball back and forth? Yeah, yeah. We uh, every once in a while we'll go to the field, and uh, especially getting ready for the season or whatever mm-hmm. it is, uh, when we both have time, we'll definitely get together and uh, throw it around a bit, and I'll help her out. 
working on some technique and all that sort of stuff. Well, here's hoping you do well, uh, not only at the uh, East-West game, but with the Rams this year and have a healthy year. And then hopefully she does well and I can have her on the sports cage here. It'd be kind of good. And then I'll ask her the exact same question. Hey, uh, thanks for your time, Josh. We'll talk to you soon, okay, my friend? Sounds good. Thanks for having me. That's Josh Donnelly, quarterback of your University of Regina Rams, one of four taking part in the East-West Shrine game. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk some Western Hockey League playoff action with one of the hosts from Pat's TV on Access. That would be Kelly Rempel, the Silver Fox. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. And welcome back here on the show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, uh, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Our text line, if you want to weigh in on the show, 936-6262. It's powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. I don't like we, our signal goes everywhere and you can get us on our app. So I don't know, maybe it's snowing where you are. If you want to uh, text us at 936-6262 and let us know how the weather is and the travel in your area. Cause we want to be your eyes and ears or the eyes and ears uh, of everybody out there. So we want to spread the word and keep everybody safe as we're having one of those, you know, spring storms, which we, you know, have become accustomed to. I think we had a lot of snow on the ground this time last year as well. And all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Let's quickly head out in the Western Pizza Hotline, uh, speak with the Silver Fox, Kelly Rempel, our WHL expert. He is a host on Pat's TV on Access Now. We actually taped the show this week. I was on with Kelly. He was nice enough to invite me. Kelly, so uh, the Pats give them uh, give themselves a puncher's chance against Winnipeg and Moose Jaw as they come up with a big weekend. And the key, Kelly, is they didn't give up a point. Like, they won in regulation, and that was huge for them. Ballsy, it really was. You know, um, I think the biggest thing, one of the things that's plagued this team a little bit this year and has, has put them behind the eight ball is their inability at times, you know, especially in the second half of the year, to win those head-to-head games against the teams that they're fighting with to get that last playoff spot. They they haven't won enough games against the Lethbridges or the Swift Currents or the Prince Alberts or the Calgarys, you know, those types of teams. And I'm not to, not to suggest that they haven't won any of them, but mm-hmm. their head-to-head against those teams hasn't been good enough, and it's put them in the situation, you know, that they're in. We can talk more about some of the different reasons why they haven't done as well, if you like, but the the fact is they just haven't won them. But what was great about what happened here, you know, this past week is I really felt it going into those three games against Brandon and then Swift and Prince Albert, Mike, and we've talked about this. You probably needed to win, you know, two of the three, but they had to be the two that they won. You know, you you have to beat Swift and you have to beat PA. Every time you lose to those teams, not only is it two points that you don't get, but it's two points that they do. And they, you know, to their credit, and I give them full credit, they lose a tough one to Brandon, but they come back and they win both of them. So, and, you know, if you noticed, if you were doing any scoreboard watching, and I know I was when you were doing a great job of emceeing that Red Sox dinner, I was on my phone, you know, peeping down to see what was going on. But they got help. Like, all the teams that they were, that they're fighting against, Mike, in the standings, 
Calgary and Swift and PA, they were all losing mm-hmm. all weekend, and they won all weekend. So they've actually put themselves in a bit of an improbable, but instead of us having, you know, doing their eulogy this week, we're talking about the Regina Pats with a, with a chance to get in. And yeah, yeah, and, 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 it, and it's, in, it's it's interesting, Kelly. Sorry for cutting you off here. It's interesting now that that first game Thursday in Winnipeg's been postponed because of the weather. Even though I've I've heard we've heard the Pats have left or they're leaving today to try to beat the weather, they have postponed that game. So we'll see how it shakes down. But you got Winnipeg, which is seven points up on Edmonton and can't really go any. Well, they can't go anywhere. Okay, they got 107. Edmonton's got 100. Then you've got Moose Jaw. That game Sunday. That that last game of the year for the Pats. Might not mean much to Moose Jaw, so it, it could work in the Pats' favor in terms of the appetite that their opponents have with regards to winning. You're you're bang on, and I think the best thing that could happen for Regina in that situation is Moose Jaw locks down fourth. Mm-hmm. Now Moose Jaw have you know some games coming up against you know some other teams. I mean they're in Brandon tonight. They're in they're in. Uh, uh, Lethbridge, I think it is, over the weekend, Friday, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. If Musha ends up with, they have three games, in, or two games, I should say now, two games in hand on Saskatoon. If Musha gets up and it's a meaningless game for the Warriors going into that last game, whether it's Sunday or Monday, I'm hearing all kinds of crazy scenarios on all so, so many different levels about what the schedule might look like from now to the rest of the season. But if you get into that Moose Jaw game and the game doesn't mean anything for the Warriors and they're going to finish in fourth or whatever, no matter what happens, I don't think you're going to see a lot of Denton Matejchuk and Jagger Furkus and Braden Jagger. And I mean, I could be wrong. I don't, I'm not speaking out of turn. I'm looking at it as a coach. Do I want those guys getting tweaked or banged up or hurt? They've already got Damon Hunt out. They've got a bunch of guys on their roster that are nicked. So do I want to take any more chance that those guys in a meaningless game for them, I, I don't think you're going to see their best. On the other hand, if they're fighting for home ice advantage in the first round, they will hit you with everything but the kitchen sink in that game to try to win. So that's one of those little X factors that you're talking about. And let's be honest, Michael, Winnipeg's not going up or down either. Yeah. So what are they going to they might play, yeah, no yeah, matter they, what. yeah, they might start, uh, start their backup goalie. Who knows who they rest? Hey, uh, so... Uh, you said this uh, when we taped the show on Access Now, which will be airing on, on that TV station. Um, you know, if you had to ask Connor, does he want 50 goals or does he want to have a playoff spot, he'll pick a playoff spot every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But fact of the matter is, for him to get, you know, for the team to get to the playoffs, he's going to have to score 50 and beyond probably. So it's uh, one and the same. But it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, the the secondary scoring, the Nyhoffs, the Dubinskys. Those are the guys in the last three games that are going to have to light the lamp. And let's be honest, Kelly, just get some competent goaltending. If they get some competent goaltending, they've got a chance to win two out of three here. You always have a chance to win when you get competent goaltending. If you get outstanding goaltending, you probably will win. I mean, that's the way hockey works. Bobby Lowe's told me one time years ago, your old buddy Bobby Lowe's, yeah. he told me in the, in the scout room one time, he said, goaltending is 80% of the game until you don't have any of it, and it's 100%. Right. Right? So, so you know, you, you take a look at the paths, and, and look, we're not going to pile on a bunch of teenagers here, but let's just call what it is. 
they haven't had enough key saves at key times. And there's been a lot of games where they had every opportunity to win and their goaltending could have been a lot better and, you know, let them down a little bit. This this young pine kid, I mean, he comes in at 16 years old and he does what, what he needs to do. He, is he absolutely outstanding doing jumping jacks and cartwheels and handstands and kicking every puck out of the net? No, he's not. But he's just making the saves he needs to make, by and large. I mean, this team has a save percentage. It's, it's been about 86, 87% since Christmas and about 87 to 88% all season. Not good enough. You know, you, you can't make the playoffs, generally speaking, you know, with, with, you know, those types of numbers. But Pine, the young guy, I mean, he's at about almost 92%. Well, yeah, that's what that's how winning is done. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. And if the Pats get competent goaltending, they have a chance, for sure. Kelly, thanks for this, man. Uh, we're uh, happy to talk to you, and we'll have you on again, and hopefully talking about the Regina Pats in the playoffs. We'll see once this snowageddon passes through Saskatchewan, North Dakota, and Manitoba. Take care, my friend. No spoilers, but there could be some interesting news coming out of the scheduling here, and I'll leave you hanging with that. Thanks, buddy. Way to tease him. Way to tease me, too. (laughs) Uh, When we come back, we'll have a sports ticker. Get to a pick six. This is the sports cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. The sports cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And welcome back to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for our Sports Cage Clutch Performance. And Taylor Rogers of the Padres picked up the save over his twin brother Tyler, who got the loss for the Giants as San Diego opened a series at San Francisco with a 4-2 win last night. According to Elias Sports Bureau Research, it marked the first time the twin brothers pitched against each other in MLB history. Entering Monday, there had been only one game in MLB history in which two twin brothers pitched, but they were on the same team. That day, July 31st, 1956, Johnny and Eddie O'Brien both pitched for the Pittsburgh Pirates against the St. Louis Cardinals. Time now for our sports ticker, which is brought to you by our good friends over there at Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. And in the NHL tonight, there are 28 of the teams in action, 14 games in the NHL, including the Edmonton Oilers at Minnesota, Vegas in Vancouver, Canucks lost their seasons pretty well done, Seattle's at Calgary, Ottawa at Detroit, and Buffalo is in Toronto. The Humble Broncos extended their season on Saturday night thanks to a 3-2 overtime win in Flin Flon in Game 4 of their SJHL semifinal series. The series moves back to Humboldt for Game 5 tonight. If it goes beyond that, the schedule is set for Game 6 Friday in Flin Flon. Every game has been a one-goal affair, including Game 3. There were 71 shots on goal between the two teams, and only one went in. This bogus NBA play-in tournament will open up today. The Nets hosting Cleveland, the Clippers at Minnesota. Basically what you're saying is our 82-game schedule means nothing for some of these bottom teams. Just crumple up your results and let's make up a play-in tournament to generate more revenue and water down our playoffs. Jays are at the Yankees as they opened up yesterday with a 3-0 win in the Bronx. Peyton Manning advised Russell Wilson on becoming a Denver Bronco, apparently. Then he went back to being in every commercial ever. Two NASCAR drivers got into a fist fight at a race in Virginia. Witnesses described the fight as shocking and unprecedented, particularly since it managed to do the impossible and briefly make NASCAR 
Interesting. And it was 95 years ago on this day, 1927, 15 future Hall of Famers were on the field at the opening day game between the New York Yankees and Philadelphia Athletics, including Ty Cobb, Jimmy Fox, Lou Gehrig, and Babe Ruth, who went 0 for 3 in the game. And the Regina Pats are fighting to stay in the playoffs. They're two points out with three games to go. Two of those games are in Winnipeg. The WHL announced today and just recently that they're postponing the game between the ice and the Pats. Thursday's game at the Wayne Fleming Arena due to extreme weather conditions in the peg, which begin later today. So, yeah, they're supposed to be getting the worst blizzard they've had in over a decade in Manitoba and southeastern Saskatchewan. So they're putting that Regina-Winnipeg game on ice. Pardon the pun. But uh, when it is played, it'll be right here on 620 CKRM. Time now for the pick six. And if you missed my interview with Cody Fajardo, you can find it on the podcast from yesterday. I found it to be a real interesting conversation. Now, he is absolutely stoked to go into his third year as the starting quarterback for your Rough Riders. And as you're going to hear here, he comes in with a big chip on his shoulder. It seems like everybody's talking as if we were the worst team in the CFL. Right. We didn't make the playoffs, and uh, you know we were a bad football team. That's that's not the case at all. We you know we went to the West Final back to back years. We gave the the Great Cup back to back Great Cup champs a, a run for their money at their home stadium in the terrible cold. The one year layoff really affected Cody's development. Plus, his old line wasn't what it was in 2019, and he had a new OC in a strange off season. And played a good chunk of that year without his number one receiver, Shaq Evans. And when Shaq did come back, they just weren't on the same page. I expect a bounce back year for number seven. Here's hoping he stays healthy because if Fajardo goes down, (laughs) the season's done. Number two in the pick six, the USFL's embrace of technology includes a potential visual effect that will activate when the ball crosses the goal line. The USFL will experiment with a football that glows when it crosses the goal line. It's unclear whether or when it will be deployed. However, any embrace of technology is a good thing. It's a very good thing that the USFL is willing to rely on something more than the naked eye or two clunky yardsticks separated by 10 yards of chain. Now these leagues will ultimately fail. But they might bring new innovations to the game that we love, both in the NFL and the CFL. We saw this from the XFL the first time around when they had camera people on the field and overhead camera angles that both the NFL and CFL now use. Number three in the pick six, the East-West Shrine Bowl is returning next month following a two-year hiatus. Amid the COVID-19 pandemic, the event will be hosted at McMaster University with the game taking place on Saturday, May the 7th. Four Regina Rams are taking part. Good luck to Parker Hodel, Josh White, Jackson Ford, and Josh Donnelly. Number four on the pick six. A young Montreal Canadiens fan was bounced from Scotiabank Arena in Toronto because he refused to surrender a hockey stick gifted to him by Canadiens forward Nick Suzuki during warm-ups. Now, prior to the Habs 3-2 loss to the Leafs, Suzuki noticed a young Habs fan with a sign asking him for a selfie and a puck. So Nick skated over to the boards and tossed the puck to the fan, Hunter Buparland. But Hunter ended up with a fat and bloody lip when he failed to reel in the puck and hit him in the mouth. Suzuki wasn't about to let Hunter down, so 
The Canadian's forward then took a selfie with Hunter and gifted him with a hockey stick. Unfortunately, though, the staff at the rink ruined the magical moment for Hunter when they forced him and his dad, Stephen, to either surrender the stick from Suzuki or leave the arena. According to Stephen, they were told the stick was considered a dangerous weapon. Now, obviously, it's a meaningless game for the lowly Habs. And that was far less important than a hockey stick from his favorite half, Nick Suzuki. The father and son left with the stick. Now, if the kid was a Wilder Sabres fan, he wouldn't get tossed. He's wearing a Habs jersey in Toronto. Of course, they're tossing him. But common sense. Come on, common sense. How about you let him check it in at customer service and grab it after the game? Like, Toronto, you haven't had fans for almost two years. You had to play in a bubble in Edmonton and then play in an empty rink. Now you get fans and you're kicking them out, even if they are Habs fans? Stupid. Penguin star Evgeny Malkin has been suspended four games for cross-checking Nashville's Mark Borowiecki in the face. Now, I think it's an appropriate suspension. When you think dirty, you don't immediately think of Malkin, but you should. He's a more skilled version of Brad Marchand. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Number five on the pick six, LeBron James says he'll be hands-off when it comes to the L.A. Lakers off-season decision-making process, coming off one of the most disappointing seasons in franchise history. Quote, that's not my decision, James said in a news conference Monday ahead of the team's exit interviews. It's not my decision to sit here and say, well, this is what we should bring back and have on the roster. (laughs) Oh, LeBron, what a clown show. He forced management to blow out some young guys like Kyle Kuzma. He's the one that wanted that selfish player, Russell Westbrook, not the coach, Frank Vogel. Now, believe it or not, in sports, most teams have bad ownership and bad front offices. Look at the CFL. Calgary, Winnipeg, and Saskatchewan are examples of stable front offices, stable ownership groups, even though two of those teams I mentioned are community-owned. They're consistently at least in the last five years or so, in the upper echelon of the league. In the Riders and Bombers case, it's been more recent. In Calgary's case, they've been at the top of the league for a very, very long time. Now, if you take out that weird bubble season with no travel where there was a pause so LeBron and AD could catch a break, the Lakers have been awful. In the last 11 years, they've gone through six coaches and won about 41% of their games. Now, you definitely get star power with LeBron. But he makes a mess of every franchise he's with. Cleveland and Miami are just recovering somewhat. And how long is it going to take the Lakers? Oh, and if you're Frank Vogel, what do you get for coaching an old team to a bubble championship? Well, you find out you've been fired by a tweet from an NBA reporter. Embarrassing. Just embarrassing. By the way, among the team's top targets to replace Vogel is Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors. Now to qualify, they say, coaching candidates will have to have seen Space Jam A New Legacy (laughs) at least five times. And number six on the pick six. In 2017, when Cam Newton was gainfully employed as the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, he made a stupid sexist remark during a press conference. It was so ridiculously sexist that the league issued a statement condemning it. The kerfuffle flowed from Newton answering a question from Jordan Rodriguez of the Charlotte Observer back in the day about the physicality with which receiver Devin Funches runs his pass routes by saying it's funny to hear a female talk about routes it's funny now remember this before I get into this next bit of stupidity 
Newton isn't employed right now, and after these comments, that could be increasingly difficult. He begins by distinguishing between a woman and a bad bitch. His words, not mine. He later defines a woman as handling your own, but knowing how to cater to a man's needs. And the clip ends with Newton saying that when a woman declares herself to be a boss bitch, his words, not mine, the response is, but you can't cook. You don't know when to be quiet. You don't know how to allow a man to lead. Oh, man. Now, what's worse, those comments or this clown trying to play quarterback in the NFL now? I think we know why his old Panthers coach, Ron Rivera, wouldn't even blink in the direction of Cam to be his quarterback for the Washington Commanders. What's the old saying? The juice? Is it worth the squeeze? Well, it used to be worth the squeeze as it relates to Newton. Now it's not. His knuckle-dragger opinion of women isn't all that surprising. What's surprising is his willingness to state the opinion for the record. But like we always say, common sense isn't very common. We'll have more of the sports cage coming up for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. And this show on this Tuesday is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests, as you know, come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime a great time to order Western Pizza. We're talking with our friend Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. How are you today, Mike? I'm good. I, I if this is being sponsored by Pizza Western Pizza, I want to get in on some of that pizza action, yeah, though. No kidding. Favorite pizza? What's your favorite pizza? As you sit down to watch an NHL game. I'm a meat guy. Give me, give me some uh, bacon bits, some sausage, some pepperoni. You know, it's funny you say that. Funny, funny you say that. My girlfriend's uh, son. We just had his 23rd birthday. I just ordered all meat pizza from western pizza so i'm with you mike kelly i knew we were friends for a reason for so many reasons hey uh let's get to a few points here how married do you think the nhl is to the current divisional setup with the playoffs like i got the premise of it create rivalries all that type of stuff but it does seem to be a little unequal right now in terms of the the matchups how do you in terms of you know which teams will move on and it's unfortunate some teams will be out in the first round how do you how do you think they are in terms of being flexible with this i don't know where the nhl stands on it other than i I don't believe that there's any appetite to change it uh there's been no evidence to support that and uh you bring up good points right which is that there are very very good teams eliminated as early as the first round, just because of the way that it's set up. Um, hypothetically, right now, you could get uh, Toronto and Tampa Bay in round one. Right. Both of those teams look like they could win a Stanley Cup, and one of them is going to be gone. So um, that that is different than other sports, different than the NHL has been in the past, where you kind of build up towards the top teams at the end. Uh, but what you do get is you do guarantee yourself really good playoff matchups, and you do guarantee yourself you know, interdivisional matchups, which tend to be rivalry matchups. Um, on the other side of it, you know, I, I kind of, everybody talks about rivalries being born in the playoffs. And I like watching rivalries that happen, you know, out of division as well. They're organically formed in the playoffs. And I guess there's less of that with the way it is now. So I think there's pros and cons to it. Um, and, you know, you can make the argument, you want to win a Stanley Cup, you got to beat good teams yeah. anyway. Maybe... Maybe you have to beat a better team in the first round than you did in the cup final. Look at Tampa Bay 
last year. You know, no discredit to the Canadians, but when that Stanley Cup final was announced, you're pretty sure Tampa Bay was winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah. They had harder matchups earlier, so. That's a good point. And, and I think we're both in agreement, or maybe you don't agree with me, but I, I think this is, regardless how it's set up in the NHL, it's way better than the NBA in this stupid play-in tournament. It's like it's almost like, hey, crumple up the 82-game uh, season. We're just going to figure this yeah. out with a play-in tournament. I uh, fully agree. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Hey, uh, what steps could be taken to improve uh, maybe the accuracy or maybe better way to put it, consistency of NHL officiating, especially as we head towards another playoffs? Um, I, I'm not somebody, and I don't say this because I'm literally standing in the NHL network buildings right now, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not somebody who thinks that this is this massive problem. Um but there's going to be officiating mistakes and, and misses in every sport. And hockey is the fastest of them all. And so it's going to happen. Um, the, there's, I guess, a notion among some that the whistles kind of get put away in the playoffs. If you just look at the rate at which penalties are called, it's not true. Um, the argument, I guess, you could make is, well, in the playoffs, everything's tighter checking. Maybe there's more infractions, um, which is why the penalties – do go up a little bit, but maybe there should be even more penalties. Um, so the, the one thing I don't like is the argument of, you know, we don't want, and I'm not saying anybody's actually saying this or enforcing this, but it, the, the notion exists of, well, let's not decide the game. Let's let the players decide the game. If there's a penalty late or an overtime and it's not called, you're not letting the players decide the game. You're still deciding the game. Yeah likely for the team that shouldn't win it. Um, so, again, there's two sides to everything. You know, I would just love to see in hockey, in any sport, um, if there's a penalty, call it. If it happens with two minutes left in a tie game in Game 7, call it. No, I, I agree. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that, that's 100% accurate, actually. And you know what? I've been, I'm critical of NHL refs. I, I am. But you bring up a good point. Like, it is the fastest of the professional sports that we're watching. Like, these guys are going uh, very fast on the ice. Everything happens at an unbelievable speed. And you can just tell that if you're sitting way up in the bleeders and then you happen to move down closer to the ice. It's a totally different game. Exactly. So any fan, like, I would encourage you if you haven't, I mean, ticket prices are, are, can be expensive, but even if you can get to an NHL practice or if you can just go stand by the glass um, you know, at any point in the game really briefly, to see how fast it is down at ice level, it's crazy. Um, and then, you know, we're watching at home and you'll see, you know, high sticks that maybe got missed or whatever, and, and you're, it, it's in slow motion, and you're like, oh, yeah, he did clip them there. Like, imagine what that's like at full speed with 10 guys buzzing around. It's uh, – I have sympathy, and, and look, you want everybody to be as close to perfect as you can. I think, by and large, the officials in the NHL do a very good job because most nights we're not talking about them at all, and that's, that's most nights, um, which is a, you know, means that they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's a good point. Uh, Mike Kelly here from the NHL Network joining me. Now, I'm not into saying people should be fired or this guy should be fired. Do you see any coaches, though, that could be – on the hot seat when this is all said and done. I know in the NFL they call it Black Monday. Like It seems like uh, a third of the league's fired every year. We don't uh, have that in the NHL. But, you know, maybe Detroit makes a coaching change. Do you see anybody else maybe on the radar? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, Detroit's kind of been brought up before, and I think, um, you know, Steve Eisenman with Jeff Blaschel, there's obviously an understanding that this this isn't a team expected to make the playoffs quite yet. Um, so there's, there's development to, to go on there. Um, I, I honestly don't know if there's anybody really on the hot seat. I, like, I would look maybe at Mike Yo in Philadelphia just because of – yeah. Uh, and and he, he's in there on a, you know, he, he took over uh, during the season. Um, but what are their plans for next season? I, I think it was kind of play this year out the way that it is uh, and evaluate who could be available in the off season. That would be one that I think, um, you know, there'll, there'll be some evaluation there if whether that's the guy they want to go forward with or not. Um, I, I don't think there's too, too many. I think Bruce Boudreaux has probably done enough to, in Vancouver. Um, yeah, I agree there. Yeah, and, you know, sure. there, are, there are other teams that are just – this year has been, in recent years, probably the most I can think of where there's a real gap between the good teams and the bad teams, and the bad teams have known they're not getting in for a long time, right? So, yeah, and a couple of those um, teams have already made changes in season. So, I mean, it's yeah, not, like, exactly. not like they're going to do it again. Hey, uh, the Penguins have been playing uh, Tristan Jari a lot uh, lately, and I mean, he's right around 40 games for his maximum, uh, you know, in, in past uh, years. Is there a concern about fatigue with the Pittsburgh Penguins net minding? Well, you bring up a good point, right? Which is we're getting into uncharted territory with this player. Um, hard to know exactly what to expect. But uh, like Pittsburgh, I really thought around the trade deadline, like this could be a team to watch down the stretch run uh, to potentially contend for the division. And, you know, they, they went through a bit of a funk. They've got no Malkin, obviously, for four games. Um, Jari's had such a great season overall. And I was kind of wrong about him, I think, in the past where I thought he kind of, as, as Pittsburgh would fluctuate defensively with what they allow in front of their goalies, he just kind of went with it. He was never bad. He was never terrific. He, he was just kind of there uh, with how they were playing. Um, and he's had an unbelievable season. So now you get into a bit of uncharted territory. Um, I don't know what to expect other than he's, for the most part of this season, been quite good mm-hmm. and i don't i don't see any reason to really overdo the workload you know down the stretch here they're still jockeying for positioning obviously but um they're going to be a playoff team and i think having him wherever he needs to be without knowing him personally you know what he's capable of work uh, load wise they know that so get him to where they feel he should be whether that's you know go right along with how they're using him or give him a bit of a breather because um, that first round is ultimately what matters you know, I'm not a hockey expert. I don't follow it as much as you, but I watch the Blues. I see Robert Thomas. Here's a guy that makes some great oh. pass. Here's a guy that makes some great passes, and he used to be um, maybe a liability, especially in the faceoff circle. He wins at least half of his faceoffs without me having the stats in front of him. Just your thoughts on his underratedness? Well, he's got to be one of the top underappreciated guys, I guess. That's. Uh... All subjective, right? Uh, yeah. I think the casual fan at home probably doesn't know a lot about Robert Thomas, but uh, he's one of those young stars. Him and Cairo are just going to you know, be the future of this team, um, with, with how great both of them are. And, yeah, that, I think you nailed it with Thomas' playmaking, his vision on the ice. Um, that, that guy can put passes in lanes that, you know, I, I'd have a tough time uh, <laughs> even looking through, let alone trying to thread a puck through. So. Um, you know, the Blues again kind of surprised me with how well they've they've played 
uh, recently, and they, you know, they made some moves at the deadline. I, I didn't think Nick Letty was the answer in a top four role for them, and he's been good. So, um, you know, shows you what I know. But um, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Robert Thomas, and he's uh, he's probably as an exciting a playmaker um, as you'll find in the league. Again, just with, with some of the passes that he can create, and the thing about highlight reels is you only see a guy on it when the puck goes in on a goal or when the assist leads to a goal, but there's a whole other highlight reel of this guy setting guys up where maybe it doesn't go in, but the, the plays are incredible. Yeah, it's 100% accurate. Okay, and then, of course, I was watching you on the weekend. You're trying to keep up with Austin Matthews. It's funny when a guy can't <laughs> when a guy can't tweet fast enough to keep up to the guy that's scoring goals. Like, it is really, uh, it is really amazing what he is doing. He is on fire. Yeah, he, uh, he scored his, his – I know it's unofficial 50th and 50th, um, but 50 goals in his last 50 games. And I was sending some message out, and then I look up, I hear the goal horn, and he scored again. Yeah. Um, so, no, now it's 51. It's, it's, it's crazy. And he makes the hardest thing in hockey look like it's something that he could roll out of bed and do in his, you know, half, half asleep. Um, no one scored 60 goals in 10 years. He's going to do that this year. Uh, might get up to around 65 by the time he's done. Um, is there a reason for that though? Know, like, is there a re- I mean, obviously he's hot and when you're hot, things just happen, but is there a reason that you're seeing in his game? Why the puck's going in so easy, or it seems to follow him around the ice more than usual. He's the most multidimensional scorer in hockey by far. Uh, what I mean by that is those guys that can score, like think of Connor McDavid scores a lot of his goals by using his incredible speed. Um, not to say that, you know, if that went away, he wouldn't be an effective player, but, Austin Matthews is as good at scoring goals in any way you can think of as the other. So, you know, if, if they're getting boxed out by a good defensive team in zone, he can create off the rush. If, um, you, you know, a team's boxing them out in the neutral zone, he can go and play heavy down low. He ranks first in scoring chances off the cycle, first in scoring chances off forecheck, first in scoring chances off rebounds, which might surprise some people. Mm. And he's, top five in chances off the rush there, there's so many dimensions to his game it doesn't matter if one of these things team-wise isn't working he'll go the other way and then his shot i mean he can score from distances his catch and release is incredible and his all-around game is terrific he's, he's a, a really good defensive forward he strips guys to the puck a ton you go look at his takeaways how many passes he blocks all these things that just helps create more offense because you're turning pucks over so when you put all of that together there's no way to stop him um, because he'll just go to the next thing and still be one of the best. Well, this guy's a great guest and a great follow on Twitter at Mike Kelly NHL. Thanks for this, Mike. Have yourself a good evening, man. Hey, anytime. Good chatting with you. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And it's Ballsy in the Big Chair. Wherever you're listening today, thanks for making us part of your day. I don't know how the snow's going. Looks pretty good here. I know I just talked to my son in North Dakota. His school already got canceled tomorrow. He's almost snowed in right now. So it's probably going to hit Manitoba and into Saskatchewan, southeast Saskatchewan. We're supposed to get 10 centimeters and a lot of wind over the next couple of days. So uh, 
uh, wherever you are, be safe. You can always text us 936-6262. Our text line powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. Our show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. And it's time to talk to the volunteer and guest experience manager with your favorite football team, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, our friend Rob Harrison. Uh, whenever Grey Cup comes to town, Rob, it's a busy year, but it's always a busy year for the Riders. Now, we'll touch on the Grey Cup in a second, my friend, but let's talk about the volunteer game day experience. Um, how many volunteers generally do you have on a game day? On any given game day, we usually run with about 200 volunteers in a whole variety of different roles. But we normally like to have 250 or so as part of the team because not everybody can work every single game. Mm-hmm. So that just gives us the flexibility to say, yep, yeah, know what, enjoy the cabin for the weekend or yeah. go take your go get some tickets, enjoy the game, and just give people st- freedom still. So depending on uh, on your job maybe, but what does a what does a day look like for somebody in terms of like, say it's a, okay, so say the kickoff's at 5 o'clock. What's your day look like? Like when do you have to show up to how long do you got to stay there for? Okay, so depending on which role you've selected with the, with the team, we, uh, our leads are that supervise the volunteers get there about three hours prior to kickoff, and then volunteers start coming in two and a half to two hours prior to kickoff to get ready for pretty well all of the rules mm-hmm. at that point. And they cover off everything from the greeters you see outside the gates to the ticket scanners, hosts, guest services, and a few other roles in and around the stadium helping the fans enjoy the experience. Now, do you need some sort of background for some of these jobs? And do you get training for some of these jobs? Like, do you have a volunteer day where you teach them what to do and stuff like that? Great question. So from an experience standpoint, you don't need any experience to be a volunteer. You just need need a great amount of heart and enthusiasm and people skills to be a part of the team. Being a rider fan absolutely helps, All of course. And we're happy to provide you with all the training that we possibly can. We'll bring you in for orientation. And as part of that, we'll teach you ticket scanning and hosting. And then the rest of it is on-the-job training, working with some of the other volunteers in the leads throughout the stadium. Did you lose a lot of volunteers during the pandemic? Because, I mean, a lot of people, you know, I don't say the riders lose fans, but they find other things to do or they're apprehensive about coming back, that type of thing. Same in the volunteer world? Absolutely. The volunteer world, just like the rest of the world, saw a great upheaval in in the commitment from people over the period of time, especially the last couple of years when there was not was when there was nothing happening mm-hmm. initially, and then went to a shortened season. But we still have a great body of volunteers. We did see a lot go, and hopefully this year we can find some great smiling faces to replace the ones that did move on to so, other things in life. So how many are you looking for? Uh, we'd like to get up to around around 50 new volunteers this year just to, to round this out and give us the ability to help out with as many things on game day as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what are some of the, you know, give me some of the perks besides being your rider fan and you want to feel part of a, a bigger team. Do you get some perks like paraphernalia, like para, sorry, I use paraphernalia, memorabilia <laughs> or or anything like that? Absolutely, as part of the rider squad and and we do ask for a six game commitment up front from you plus the play, any playoff games we mm-hmm. have, which this year we know we've got the Grey Cup and in a perfect world we will also have the Western, Western Final and yeah. Western Semifinal but in over and above that once you work the six games and you get eligible for very for a couple of receptions and things like that mm-hmm. um at the beginning of the season when you register as a volunteer and you get through orientation and we collect your commitment fee we provide you with a awesome uniform it's worth about 350 dollars at retail and includes polo shirt jacket bunny hug toque mitts ball cap nice and a water bottle and yeah 
we also give you lunch on game days. Nice. That's good. You got to got to feed the volunteers. Absolutely. Uh, got to uh, have food. That's right. So is this um, in conjunction or separate from Grey Cup volunteering? We are separate from Grey Cup volunteering. The Rider Squad are our game day volunteers throughout the entire season. And of course, with Grey Cup coming, we'll also have our Grey Cup Festival volunteers coming online probably in September. And we've got a great team of volunteer leaders from the city leading mm. that side of the the team as well mm. and uh some great things in store well, that's there how too. you got started right like you were a volunteer for the great cup right when it was last year absolutely i started in 2013 and i've just moved up through the volunteer ranks from there and then when we brought on board the actual staff position for the volunteer program i was offered it and i mean you can't turn something like that though working with the volunteers is an absolutely phenomenal experience they're wonderful people mm. and then top it up with the riders and i mean mm you got a great mix so uh lastly just give us uh give us uh the reason why it would be great for somebody to come and join and be a volunteer for six a minimum six games during the rider season so one you get to interact with the best fans in the world yeah and from there you get to be a part of the game day experience for those fans but you're also part of the rider rider team we might not be the team on the field, but we're the team in the stands. And we cheer just as hard and loud as mm-hmm. every other fan in the stadium when the touchdown is scored mm. or we get an interception or... Something like that, eh? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, where do they get the details on uh, being a volunteer? Easiest way to get the details is head right onto riderville.com and under the game day tab, you'll see volunteer with the rider squad. It opens up a page that gives you a lot of the details about the program. And there's a great little button that says sign up, click there and it will take you right into the application form and get you up and running from there. We we do interview all the volunteers mm-hmm. and background check and everything like that. The, uh, yeah, we do a full vetting for them, and we would just want to make sure that we we do have the right people. We want them to be successful, so we want to make sure that we're the right fit for them as well. So one more question, because the world's changed; it's been Absolutely. fluid. Uh, what about a vaccination status? Do you have to be vaccinated to do that? Because that is a question that now is part of our vocabulary. It is, and at this point in time, we follow whatever public health orders are in place at any given time. So at this point, we are not asking Mm -hmm. for vaccination status. If the public health orders change, then we would abide by whatever those are. All right, Rob. Well, thanks for this, man. I appreciate it. And a big announcement tomorrow. Can't uh, say, but uh, the riders have an announcement tomorrow, uh, I believe, up in Saskatoon. So stay tuned for that. Rob, thanks for your time. When we come back, we will talk with uh, Glenn Suter. Also, Pat Chat on the way. And I want to make mention that the Pats game Thursday against the Winnipeg Ice has been uh, postponed because of the weather that, like I just alluded to at the start of this segment, is blowing in North Dakota, Manitoba, southeastern Saskatchewan. So that'll... Uh, That'll uh, kind of, we'll be massaging our lineup here on 620C Karim as it relates to our broadcast schedule. So stay tuned for any updates. But we'll be back with Glenn Suter in a moment. And it is time now for Pat Chat. Pat Sniper Connor Bernard joined us on the Sports Cage on Monday. He scored four goals last weekend and a pair of wins that moved the team to within two points of the final playoff spot. Connor has 49 goals and 92 points. Both are team records for a 16-year-old as he surpassed Jeff Friesen. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely pretty cool. Obviously, when I when I did kind of get that, it was, it was probably the worst goal I've ever scored. So, <laughs> was, you know, it's pretty funny that that was the one. But uh, I mean, obviously, what, what he was able to do was, was so special, and uh, to kind of have my name with his is, is definitely pretty cool, especially and like he said, such a such a storied organization. Pat Chat is brought to you by Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine in Fort Coupel. 
kevinsmarine.com. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Jason Fichter out in uh, Estevan runs the Rider Prider fan page. Thanks to him for listening. And he said it is starting to snow in Estevan. So uh, we're supposed to get uh, southeastern Saskatchewan, Carlisle, Estevan, Weyburn. We're going to get uh, a spring snowmageddon, so to speak. It's already snowing bad in uh, North Dakota. They're canceling games uh, in Winnipeg involving the ice and the Pats, Jets and the Kraken. So uh, stay tuned. Like I said, you can update us, 936-6262, the number to call or text. That's our text line brought to you by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. Whenever we have this guy on the show, and it's three times a week in the offseason, it's brought to you by Quality Tire with 10 locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Glenn Suter joining me. Suits, I gotta ask you this, man. It was on this day back in uh, 1980, April 12th, that Terry Fox dipped his artificial leg in the Atlantic Ocean near St. John's, Newfoundland. It was a cold, wet start to his epic journey journey on average fox would run 42 kilometers roughly a marathon a day through the atlantic provinces quebec and ontario so um the question the question becomes number one do you consider him an athlete using the word marathon and if you do consider him an athlete glenn Suter, is he the greatest athlete in canadian history well he's yeah he's one of the great canadians in our history, in our country's history, I think, as far as and and absolutely an athlete, no question. Uh, you know, athletics is is partly physical, but also very mental. And are are you prepared to dedicate yourself to training and uh, you know performing at the highest level you possibly can? And that sometimes that means beer league hockey, but. Are you prepared to do to to make the commitment mentally to do that? That's as important as the physical aspects of an athlete, and and that puts him right at the top of the list when it comes to Canadian athletes in our history. So, how about this? Uh, uh, kind of compiled uh, uh, with the with the help of some other lists and, and morphed them all together. So, Terry Fox will both be in agreement. He's number one as the greatest Canadian athlete. I put Wayne Gretzky at number two. I got Love it. I got Clara Hughes who won uh, medals in both the Olympic uh, summer and winter games, cycling and speed skating. She's number three. Mario Lemieux at number four. I got Steve Nash at number five. Sidney Crosby at number six. Great Haley Wickenheiser at number seven. Number eight, I got Mike Weir who kind of has fallen off the map now, but of course we know his Masters run. George St. Pierre, I'm not a huge MMA UFC guy, but I don't think you can deny what a star he was. And then kind of at at 10, I got Bret Hart. I know it's sports, but it's sports entertainment, and that is athletic. He, I got him tied with George Chevalo. And, uh, you know, it's hard when you look at it. I mean, there's Bobby Orr, there's Gordie Howe, there's so many. But that's just kind of 10-ish I put together. And I guess, you know what, to be honest with you, I'm probably putting Gordie Howe in with George Savalo in the top 10. So I got to bump Bret Hart out. But, I mean, there are a lot of great Canadian athletes there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would put Gordie Howe up there, too. I would put Bobby Orr up there. Um, you know, I, the, and the, the only issue I have with your list is that 
there are no Canadian Football League players in there because I don't think lists like this yeah. should just be, you know, uh, part of the criteria is that it has to be international competition or even North American competition. I mean, again, we have we have been able to watch in our own backyard in professional football in our country world-class athletes that are as good as any you'll see anywhere in the world and they always get left out of these discussions and they shouldn't be because you know i mean you you think of the great canadians that have played canadian football those athletes put in as much training and dedication as anyone that you just mentioned and uh you know in in our league no we don't play internationally but that doesn't change the quality of athletes no, very good point. So there, Glenn Suter, you have a work assignment on Thursday. You give me the Glenn Suter top five Canadian Football League players of all time. Canadian Football League players of all time, in your opinion. I want you to do some homework, and I'll buy you, a got lu- it. I'll buy you lunch next time you're in town. <laughs> so you were out in Macklin and Plenty. I've been doing a couple of dinners there. You were out there with the great Dan Clark. I think Poli, too. So tell me... The lay of the land. What what was your you had your uh, fingers you're on the pulse of what's going on out there. What were the fans telling you? You know, it, it was it was outstanding, and you know you know how these banquets go. And they're first of all they're a ton of fun, and I I believe me, I had a lot of fun at the expense of offensive linemen around the world because I <laughs> happened to be in sports banquets with a couple of guys mm. that play on the O line or used to in Bob Pulley and. Dan Clark. So I, I had some fun at their expense, all in good humor and good fun. But great crowds. And, you know, Ballsy, the the thing that when I do these, you know, people are always thanking me for coming out and spending the time and all that. And, and I always tell them, and I feel this, you know, to my core, is that I get more out of it than I think they do. Because I, I get to be around 500 people over two nights that have great passion or are patriots of our game. And, and they just, they love Canadian football. They love their riders. And we can have some fun, but we talked about Canadiana. We talked about world-class athletes. We talked about the excitement level that the CFL provides because the CFL has the, the, the most exciting final three minutes of any sport in the world. Well, and isn't that, that, isn't that I, what Mark Tressman has always preached? 57 and 3, right? 57 minutes. Exactly. And the second game is three minutes long. Exactly. And, and I know leaving Macklin and leaving Plenty uh, just on Sunday, I know that while they were, you know, that was about 500 people in total that were already on board, but I feel like I have 500 allies in the messaging battle that we are all in and currently in and constantly in and the mountain that we still have to climb when it comes to messaging, I feel like I've got 500 allies that are right with me on that. And, and we're going to keep saying it. We're going to keep saying it. World-class athletes, most exciting game in the world. That's it. Well, while you were uh, there, I was on a stage at the Turvey Center for another great, the 16th annual Regina Red Sox dinner, and the special guests were Sarah Colonna, the comedian, and her Regina royalty 
husband, John Ryan, who uh, we all know, uh, the only Saskatchewan yep. kid to win a Super Bowl. And yes, he was a punter, but, uh, you know, a great holder. And, and you can appreciate that and what a talent that is in really good shape. And he, he won a Super Bowl. He played with he played with the likes of Bobby Wagner and he played with the likes of uh, Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson and all the Marshawn Lynch. So he played with the quote-unquote elite athletes and and he was asked by the folks like what if we go four downs what if we do change this rule what if we change this rule what if we get rid of the rouge and you know what he said he said if they change any of the rules any of the mainstay rules it's not canadian football and i will never play it or watch it again that's what he said and i said you know a lot of times, and we've talked about this, Glenn, the top seven guys on the roster in the NFL are elite guys. I don't think you and I will argue that. But from about seven to the bottom of the roster, it is a soft. And he totally agreed. And we need to continue to get that message out there that this is high-quality, competitive, entertaining football. Yeah, and we don't have to compare them, and we can be different, not better or worse, just different and we can open opportunities for smaller players in all positions in a lot of ways in, in Canadian football. And, and then, and this is something that was real prominent in Macklin and Plenty, was the Canadiana and how proud they are. When Bob Poley got up there, they loved him. Bob Poley and I played 30-plus years ago. But Bob Poley is a Canadian offensive lineman from Saskatchewan, and he tells an awesome story. But beyond that was a, a player that everyone in that room was so proud of, and that's what our game provides, an opportunity for those kids. We were raising money for minor football in Macklin and Plenty, and it was well over 50000 which is amazing, and the generosity of the folks. But when you think about it, we were raising money for the opportunity for those kids to possibly play one day at Mosaic Stadium, just like Bob Pulley and I got to do at Taylor Field years ago. So, you know, it, it, it just it doesn't make any sense to compare and devalue. It only makes sense to back what is ours. And this is ours. And that's the feeling I got when I left Macklin well, and Plenty. And that's the disappointing thing for me. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If I was Jeremy O'Day, I probably would have done the same thing. And I know we've touched on this before. I don't think the league went in with the intention to target kickers. But I'm sitting on the stage with John Ryan at the Regina Red Sox dinner, a guy that's given $200,000 back to the U of R just this past year when he played for a scholarship in his dad's name. He is the gear up with John Ryan. Foundation, where he is uh, putting equipment on the backs of young kids. They play six-on-six football to get introduced to our fine sport, the grassroots uh, level at Regina Minor Football, great organization run by Jeff Stusick, Kelly uh, Hamilton, and, of course, Len Antonini. You know those guys well. And, and, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, he, he's, he's jettisoned out of here because, basically, teams got to find a way to put global players on the roster, and we're missing out on a football legend who wasn't a terrible player. He was still kicking the stuffing out of the football, but the Riders have to follow the league rules to try to fit these guys on the roster, so they've kind of decided, like a lot of teams, kicker's the way we're going to go. And, you know, I look in the crowd, Chris Bauman, first overall pick from the Regina Rams, went to Hamilton. He's in the crowd, supporting the 
the Red Sox. Chris Getz laughs at the back. His jersey's hanging on the side autographed. Like, that's what we need. We need that the community intertwined with this league. That's what makes it a great league, too. Yeah, we do. And, and you've given me a great uh, opportunity to make an example, though, of, of the difference between maybe disagreeing with that decision from Jeremy O'Day, which, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I disagree with it as well, you know, to be honest. And, and Michael, you know, I've talked about it, that you know, I would have tried to figure out a way to give John Ryan a chance to win his job back. Mm-hmm. Because every year, no matter what your status or what your past, you have to try out and win the job again. And so, you know, I can disagree with that decision, but not devalue the league overall by saying this makes it a bad league. Right. It doesn't make it a bad league. You can, you, we can argue and debate that that decision like we do with NFL decisions and NHL decisions at times, but... What happens with our league too often is that it transfers over to that makes it a bad league and that devalues our game and that's wrong. And I think John Ryan would say that's wrong. And he did say that's wrong on the stage and he said he still has respect for the Riders and the league and he's not done yet. He's got three offers. He told us at the dinner uh, he may be a mid-season replacement for somebody and he would not guarantee me that he would stay away from the Bombers. So that really made me (laughs) sick to my stomach. When we come back, I want to talk about the United States Football League, about the XFL and get Glenn Suter's thoughts because it's the boogeyman in the room. Oh no, the CFL could be in trouble. Yeah, whatever. This is the Sports Cage and Glenn Suter's segment for Quality Tire on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And the New York Yankees have just belted a two-run homer to right center field, and uh, they're leading the Toronto Blue Jays. 2-0 with one out in the second inning. It's the first homer of the year for Aaron Hicks. He had a man aboard on second and drills it to right center. So the Jays trail 2-0. It is time now to continue with our sports ticker. And it's brought to you by our good friends at Bronco Plumbing and Heating. Where professional services guaranteed they'll treat you right. 781-2090. We got uh, 14 games in the NHL, so 28 teams in action right now. Hurricanes and Rangers tied after one. Ducks 1-0 over the Panthers after one. Sabres lead the Leafs 1-0 after one. Scoreless Ottawa and the Red Wings in the first. Pittsburgh and the Islanders are scoreless. Still to come tonight, the Edmonton Oilers are in Minnesota. Calgary taking on the Seattle Kraken. We got the Flyers trailing 3-1 to the Capitals after one, and it's the Bruins 2-1 over the uh, Blues right now in the first. You know, Glenn uh, Glenn Suter joining us here for Quality Tire for one more segment. You know, we're always looking to fix and call the CFL Bush League. Not me and you, but we're always defending it. How about this NBA play-in tournament? It's like the bottom teams. The regular season didn't mean anything. You know what I mean? It's like this. This is what it is. Okay, 82 games means nothing. We're just going to do this play-in tournament to water down our playoffs, but nobody cuts down the NBA. If that was the CFL, it would be Bush League. So it's a matter of perspective, and I think, you know, it's, 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 we're quick to, we're quick to uh, ignore or prop up other leagues and be very uh, critical of our Canadian Football League. Now, the USFL is doing something. They're looking at getting rid of the, uh, rid of the clunky chains, the 10-yard chains, and I've said this for years. We've got technology now. Why don't we have a laser across with the, you know, 
TSN or ESPN, whoever's doing the game, CFL, NFL, and we can use that technology to help uh, sort out first down. So USFL is looking into that with chips in the football, and they also might have the ball glow at the goal line to help us see if there's a touchdown or not. I don't disagree with that. And you know what, Glenn? You guys use over, oh, you know, the cameras on the on the on the wire above the field, and we have cameramen on the field now before the play starts. That started in the first XFL. So these leagues will not make it. They will fall flat on their face. But maybe we'll get some technology the TSN and the American uh, networks and the NFL can use down the line. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's it's ever wrong to always try to push the envelope, push the elastic, and see if, if there's new innovation that could make the game sort of, I don't even necessarily mean more exciting, but, you know, add add new aspects and new looks and new ideas to the game. I, you know, and, and if you can make it more accurate on some of the calls, you know, then then it's worth looking into. I, I think you also, though, have to always look at the ripple effect. You know, if, if you're sending a laser across the field, mm-hmm. is there any player safety issue there? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just off the top of my head. But, you know, the, the bottom line is when it comes to that innovation, yeah, I think you always look at new ideas. But it's funny because I, I look at the stories in the XFL over yesterday and today. Yeah. And one has not been talked about, and the other has. But both of them would indicate to me that the XFL is is really trying to develop itself in the next couple of years, if it starts in 23, as a farm team, like basically a farm league to the National Football League. Because it really, all, all things that are happening right now are pointing in that direction. Okay, so let's start with the first one that's more well-known. There's a lawsuit, because I talked about this at the Red Sox dinner, alleging that they copied their new logo from another company. So right off the bat, they're off to a bad start. Yeah, it was, you know, it's basically a media and commerce company that is called Together, and the final E in Together is an X, which is basically the same... Uh, sort of font as that new XFL logo that was basically just um, released, uh, what, a week ago. And there there are four Olympic gold medalists that own this company called Together. And what is even, you know, worse, and again, this is all allegations at this point, but, but what this is even worse is that the wording from the XFL release of their new logo was, and I quote, we couldn't wait for the future, so we built it ourselves. Tomorrow's league starts today. Well, their, their fonts for Together are almost identical as this other media and commerce company. And this is the quote from their people at the, at the other company. They said they have issued legal notice to the XFL. So my, my question there is, and this has not been talked about, any of our media across the country surprise surprise but what comes up to me there is did the xfl not even do a trademark search on any of this yeah before they decided to release their new logo and they got lots of time they got lots of time suits they're not planning to play till 2023 so i mean come on do a better job we got about two minutes here so i want to get this one because you revealed this to me. I didn't even see this. They did a deal with the NFL to use their alumni training center. Tell me about that. Yeah, this is the Alumni Academy. It's it's uh, where players that are sort of free agents that don't make the rosters can go to work out. And I went on their website and looked, and right now there's currently 
you know, as far as their website is concerned, 25 or so players. So, you know, it's it's not a lot of players, but they're going into their third season. It's called the Alumni Academy, and the XFL has now done a deal with the Alumni Academy, whereby if you go through the academy there as a free agent player, um, you will automatically get a contract to the XFL. Wow. So it's an exclusive deal. And, and, the, and then, you know, what I saw immediately was a lot of reporters in our country saying, well, this is going to really hurt CFL talent levels. And it's just not. I mean, first of all, it's a handful of players. Second of all, it's, you know, ex- this, this is another indication, Michael, that the XFL is really situating itself to become a farm team and a farm system because you think about the fact that they did a deal with the NFL that they could experiment with rules and sometimes drastic game changes in the XFL to see if they work before they do it in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And now you look at the Alumni Academy where they go take a handful of players that maybe didn't make it and give them automatic. So they don't have to make the team, I guess, and an XFL team. They just, if you, if you join the Alumni Academy, you can, you can get a contract in this new league. And then add that all up, and I see farm team. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, that's just an observation. It's not a, it's not a criticism. I mean, I, opportunity for football players is great no matter what it is or where it is, but I think we just have to keep it all in perspective. And it would be interesting to see Twitter over the next week to see what people lean on and what they don't. Well, Glenn, it was great for you to bring that to our attention as the lead football analyst in Canada and a great Patriots. And uh, hey, with that in mind, you got homework to do now, my friend. Thursday, top five Canadian Football League players in the Canadian Football League. So Canadian-born players. I need you to come up with that for me because you want to put a list together, and I'm all in favor of that. We'll talk to you on Thursday, okay? You got it. Thanks, Walsey. That is uh, Glenn Suter joining us for Quality Tire on the Western Pizza Hotline. The show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. On the other side of 6 o'clock, we'll talk with Arash Madani about the Blue Jays, about the NBA and the Raptors' chances against the 76ers. Uh, Jays trailing the Yankees right now 2-0 in the third. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And welcome inside the cage on this Tuesday. Just ahead of Snowmageddon, apparently. Although it's not supposed to be as bad in Regina, but it is snowing out in southeastern Saskatchewan and it's picked up. So, uh... Be safe out there. The show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. And whenever we talk to Arash Madani, the Madani Report is brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546 25 33. Uh, do we have Rash Madani there? Rash Madani? 
Is he there? Okay, yes, Arash. Sir, Mr. Ball. Okay, How I just want to make sure you're there. So I just saw Aaron Judge up at the plate. Yankees take it on the Jays. New York is up 2 nothing on Toronto in the third inning as Hicks hit a home run. Uh, Aaron Judge apparently turned down an extension before the season, uh, something to the tune of $231 million. How much do you think this guy's actually going to end up with in his bank account when it's all said and done? Much less than $231 million. Really? Uh, yeah, Ballsy, we're talking about a dude who's turning 30 with an injury history at a time where teams are less and less reluctant to give big dollars and big term to players with that kind of injury history at that age. Mm-hmm. Like the Albert Pujols thing has really that that may have been the last of its kind. Look, Judge is betting on himself. I get it, and he sees some of the money that's being thrown around. But even George Springer, coming off a World Series championship, World Series MVP before the age of thirty, got one hundred and fifty million bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we saw I, that we I, saw that with Donaldson too, right? In his in his upper thirty, like uh, thirty two, I think, uh, coming off yeah. an MVP season, and it didn't quite go the way he thought either. And when Judge came out and said, "I'm a free agent at the end of the year, I will be talking to thirty teams, and the Yankees are one of them," part of the allure uh, for a team, you know, your team, is that you avoid free agency. Um, I actually believe this, Ballsy. I, I think the Yankees have dodged a bullet. I think the Yankees know they dodged a bullet. I think that Aaron Judge is the kind of player that ownership really likes. I'm not sure if the baseball analytics people like it. And if he goes down the rabbit hole of time missed again this season, and we are led to believe that Judge is not vaccinated, which means he will not be able to get into Toronto to play division games on the road there, um, this may be a scenario. I, I'm all for every player getting the best they can, but I'm also a realist in that know what your value is, know who you are, know what you know. Mm-hmm. And and I just think Aaron Judge may have misplayed his hand here. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm nowhere near uh, enamored with baseball like you. Like I like it, but it's not like I cover it on a daily basis. But I am. Uh, I am a Padres fan, as you know, and you need pitching to win. You need pitching to win in this league. And there's one thing I love about watching San Diego early on here. I know they played the Diamondbacks, but uh, they, they played the the Giants yesterday, a team that won 107 ball games. Good pitching, good defense. I think they. I know we're only five games in, so I'm not getting ahead of myself. Dodgers will probably win that division, no doubt about it. But they got a puncher's chance. They they're an under the radar team this year. I think they might. I know they got a high payroll, so it's kind of hard to say they're under the radar. But I think they could be in the National League. Well, I think they are even in that division, just because of the Dodgers and the Giants being in there. Two teams that won north of 100 games last year. And of course, the Padres won't have Fernando Tatis. Yeah. Look, I think what we're learning now in baseball is that there. There has always been such an emphasis on offense and the you know the big home runs and because of how exciting it is, but the the truth of the matter is pitching and defense is what wins you games and what wins you championships. And so many of these teams are now emphasizing run prevention as much as they are really prioritizing offense. I mean, look at the Texas Rangers. 
This offseason, Balzi, they spent $580 million on free agency alone. Yeah. Well, half a billion of that was to get two infielders up the middle, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, who are going to play short and second base, to really lock down the defense. If you have the middle of your infield sorted and a shortstop who can really move laterally, he's not quite going to become a corner infielder. Don't get me wrong here. But that can really change the dynamic of who and what you are. And Texas, for instance, feels it has a really good a really good pitching staff coming up in the minors. Look at what the Jays have done. Mm-hmm. They bring in Matt Chapman. Two of their five starting pitchers, the metrics show a lot of balls go to the left side of the infield. You bring in a gold glove, a platinum glove award winner. Um, that's, that, that's where the emphasis is. So as much as it's on the home run, as much as it is on big characters like Aaron Judge, Defense wins you championships, not just in football, you know? Yeah, so uh, Arash Madani, who covers the Blue Jays, uh, through the first few games of the year, uh, the uh, Jays at their top end of the uh, rotation got about 8.2 solid frames out of them, and the bullpen was tired. But yesterday, Alec Manoa stepped up and really uh, played some great baseball on the hill. Six desperately needed quality frames from him and uh one thing about him and i'm not a baseball expert but just reading all the the articles he used the change up more than he has he's he's having to throw hitters off so he's uh, changing up his pitching style a bit and alec Manoa, i talked to him balzi a couple of weeks ago at spring i said you know where are you at this stage of things going into his second year in the big leagues he said i've learned to go from being a thrower to a pitcher I've understood scouting reports better. I've understood how to handle situations better. And as you saw last night, going with the breaking ball when it when it really needed to, to be used. Here's the other thing about Manoa. If you're a Jays fan listening to this, believe me when I tell you, Alec Manoa is not phased by anything. He's not phased by the big leagues, even though he hasn't played a full big league season. He's not phased by Yankee Stadium or Aaron Judge or Fenway Park. The moment has not shown to be too big for him. Now, his command has had issues in the past, and balls do get away from him, and that, that's an issue that he continues to work on. But Alec Manoa pitches and commands himself. Balls, he was such, such a confidence, such a grand confidence. Mm-hmm. He believes he belongs with all these dudes. And as you know, if you believe it, that that is a big part of actually being able to achieve it. And Manoa did this weird thing among starting pitchers yesterday. He got a win. He got a win because he was able to go six innings. When's the last time we've seen that from a starting pitcher? Yeah, no kidding. Hey, uh, Arash Madani, I saw you tweeted this out, and I uh, I agree with the numbers that you put out there for viewership. The, these Jays are must-watch TV, uh, as evidenced by the first uh, game of the year, seven nothing. And I'm sitting in the control room here talking to our uh, program director Abby White, and I'm like, this game isn't over. Like I know they're down seven nothing, but these guys can hit the ball. Uh, you don't want to have that as your recipe for success all the time. But, like, right now, they're down 2 nothing. Uh, you know right till the end of the game they got a puncher's chance. And that is uh, bearing out in the early ratings. Talk about that for us. 
Well, they're never out of a game. That much we've understood. And you look at the firepower on the offensive side. I mean, look how look at how the first four batters of that of this of this lineup go. George Springer sets the table for you as the leadoff hitter, and then they've rotated Bo and Vlad in the two three hole, and then Teoscar Hernandez, who has won back to back Silver Slugger awards. I mean, that's just a whole pile of offense that can come at you and come at you in bunches. And, yeah, the viewership numbers over the weekend, Ballsy, were nuts. I mean, mm-hmm. these are games 1, 2, and 3 of 162. It's not a pennant race. These aren't playoff games. It's not even the Yankees or the Red Sox they're playing. It's the Texas Rangers. So Canadians have really rallied around this baseball team and believe what they're capable of. And the fact that a million three, a million four watched opening night, and the fact that over a million watched on Sunday up against the final round of the Masters, I mean, for context purposes, Aldi, that's more than any NFL regular season game did this year. That's more than the CFL East final did this year. That's more than the uh, East or West semifinal did last year. I mean, these are these are significant numbers that the Blue Jays are getting. And if they keep winning and if they keep hitting, if Vlad continues to be Vlad and Springer does Springer things and Bo's Bo, wait till the summer and yeah. especially wait till the fall. I'm going to get to Raptor stuff next time you're on on Thursday as there's a base hit here uh, into left field so the Jays have a runner aboard. That is uh, the aforementioned Teoscar Hernandez. So Guriel Jr. up 2 nothing Yankees still leading top of the fourth. Uh, but Arash, I got to ask you this now. They they don't they're not getting you or I. Like they've already got us, okay? More so you than me, but they've already got us. But do you like these Manning casts? Like there's the Peyton and Eli one, and now A Rod and Michael K debuted one last Sunday for baseball. I might actually like that one because I I I've got a handle on the game of football. I don't know. I know everything I need to know about baseball, so I might be intrigued to listen to an A Rod talk. Uh, a Michael K. talk, but how about you? Do you is this good for sports broadcasting to have this in your opinion? I, I like it. Um, I think it's I think it's important for these leagues and and the networks because it may get you a different set of eyeballs than you've already than you already have. Mm-hmm. But I, the Manning cast one that really stood out to me this year was when Tom Brady joined them, and I like the dynamic because all Eli wanted to do was you know talk smack to Tom Brady because he's beaten them in two Super Bowls. But then you almost saw the, the football nerd side of Peyton and Tom because Tom was on for so long, getting into specific scenarios and I think New Orleans was on and the Saints were going to play the Bucks the next week and Tom really started to get nerdy and speak at a level with Peyton that it almost felt like they were in the same room without cameras on. Yeah. And that was a real neat moment to get insight from two of the greats on how they see the game, how they see situations, how they see defenses. Now, the next week, Snoop Dogg's on. They're having fun with Snoop. That's not as interesting to me. But the fact that you can get some different athletes, you can get some different perspectives, I think that it's going to just bring you a bigger audience than your than your general sports mm-hmm. Uh, viewership, and I think that's really important too. Arash, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. We'll talk to you on Thursday, okay? 
Always good, Ballsy. Thanks, bud. That's Arash Madani joining us for the Madani Report, brought to you by our good friends at Smart Investing Solutions and our longtime supporter, Brian Golly. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. We wrap the show up with a pick six and get some closing thoughts. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And welcome back to the uh, last few minutes of the show. We got to bring up some stuff here. Uh, The Regina Pats uh, will not be playing their game Thursday against the Winnipeg Ice. That game has been postponed because of... uh, the snowstorm that's hitting Manitoba, North Dakota, southeastern Saskatchewan. So stay tuned. We were supposed to have an abbreviated sports cage that day, but that will not be taking place. Uh, we'll have a full sports cage that day because the Pats game will not be going on that day. They've got two against Winnipeg in Winnipeg, and then they won the wrap-up the season against the Moose Jaw Warriors. They're two points out of a playoff spot. As we talked earlier with Kelly Rempel, if you missed that interview, our uh, Pats TV host and a guy who's done color commentary on uh, Pats hockey games with Dante DiCaria, uh, we had mentioned that the Warriors might not have anything to play for, and neither will the Ice because they're up seven points on Edmonton. They can't go up or down on the standing. So we'll see how they, uh, what kind of roster they will uh, ice there against the Regina Pats. All right. If you missed my interview with Cody Fajardo yesterday, you could find it on the podcast wherever you find the Sports Cage podcast. Please like and share with your friends. I found it a real interesting conversation. He's pumped to head into his third year as a starting quarterback, comes in with a huge chip on his shoulder um the first year layoff really affected cody's development plus his old line wasn't what it was in 2019 he had a new oc and jason moss and a strange off season and played a great chunk of the year without his number one receiver shaq evans and when shaq did come back he just wasn't right so i do expect a bounce back year from number seven and here's hoping that cody stays healthy because if fajardo goes down this season She's over. We touched on this with Glenn Suter earlier. The USFL's embrace of technology includes a potential visual effect that will activate when the ball crosses the goal line. The USFL, uh, USFL will experiment with a football that glows when it crosses the goal line. Now, it's unclear when it will be deployed. However, any embrace of technology is a good thing, a very good thing. And I've said this for a long time. Um, we need to embrace technology, especially when it relates to like the the chain gang it's clunky it's outdated it slows things down now let's be honest here the usfl the xfl they're gonna fail they will fail okay americans have already voted with their wallets uh it's high school college and nfl for four down football so these are gonna fail but we might get innovations like we saw from the xfl the first time around where they had camera people on the field and the overhead cameras that the nfl and cfl use right now the east west bowl is returning next month following a two-year hiatus amid the covid19 pandemic the event will be hosted at mcmaster university with the game taking place on saturday may the 7th four regina rams are taking part good luck to parker hodel josh white jackson ford and Josh Donnelly, who joined us earlier, and he will be on the podcast if you want to check that out later. Number four in the pick six. This is hilarious and stupid at the same time. 
A young Montreal Canadiens fan was bounced from Scotiabank Arena in Toronto last Saturday because he refused to surrender a hockey stick gifted to him by Habs forward Nick Suzuki during warm-ups. Now, prior to the Habs' 3-2 loss to the Leafs, Suzuki noticed a young Montreal Canadiens fan, and that fan had a sign asking for Suzuki for a selfie and a puck. So Nick comes over, skates up to this kid named Hunter. Hunter ended up with a fat and bloody lip when he failed to reel in the puck that Suzuki flipped over the glass. See, the puck hit him in the mouth. Well, Suzuki was wasn't about to let that be Hunter's lasting memory of their exchange. So the Habs forward then took a selfie with Hunter and gave him a hockey stick. Unfortunately, the rent-a-cops at Scotiabank Arena ruined the magical moment for Hunter and his dad, Stephen, because they forced them to either surrender the stick from Suzuki or leave the arena. According to Stephen, they were told the stick was considered a dangerous weapon. Obviously, a meaningless game for the Habs, who are basement dwellers was less important than a hockey stick from Suzuki and the father and son left with the stick now if the kid was a wild or a Sabres fan he would not get tossed but hey he's got on a Habs jersey so let's kick him out how about we let him check the stick in at customer service and grab it after the game how about that anyway uh, just crazy Uh, common sense isn't very common like I said Number five in the pick six. LeBron James says he'll be hands-off when it comes to the LA Lakers off-season decision-making, coming off one of their worst seasons in franchise history. Quote, that's not my decision, he said in a news conference. It's not my decision to sit here and say, well, this is what we should bring back and have on the roster. <laughs> Good one, LeBron. You're a clown show. This guy forced management to blow out young guys like he does on every team, and he wanted Russell Westbrook on the team, not the coach Frank Bull. Most teams, I hate to break it to you, have bad ownership and bad front offices. But let's take Calgary, Winnipeg, and Saskatchewan in the CFL. Stable front offices, and in the last five years or so, those three teams have been consistently at the top, the the, uh, Stampeders, for a longer time. By contrast, the Lakers are awful. In the last 11 years, they've gone through six coaches and won 41% of their games. Now, if you take out that weird bubble season with no travel, where there was a pause so LeBron and Anthony Davis could get a much-needed break, uh... It's been awful for them. Now, you get star uh, star power with Braun, but he makes a mess of every franchise he's with. Cleveland and Miami have recovered somewhat. How long is it going to take for the Lakers to recover? Oh, and what do you get if you're Frank Vogel for coaching an old team to a bubble championship? Here's what you get. You find out you've been fired by a tweet from an NBA reporter absolutely embarrassing by the way among the team's top targets to replace him is nick nurse of the raptors now to qualify coaching candidates will have to have seen space jam a new legacy (laughs) at least five times and uh, number six on the pick six this Cam Newton's a beauty. He was gainfully empo- employed back in 2017 as the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. He made a ridiculous sexist remark during a press conference. It was so stupid that the league issued a statement back then condemning it. Now, the kerfuffle flowed from Newton answering a question from a, a reporter, a female reporter at the Charlotte Observer back in the day, about the physicality with which receiver Devin Funches runs his pass routes. Here's how Newton responded back in the day. Quote, it's funny to hear a female talk about routes it's funny now keep this in mind when i tell you the latest here's what newton says and he probably won't get a job after this he begins by distinguishing between a woman and a bad 
biatch, for lack of a better way of putting it. He later defines a woman as handling your own but knowing how to cater to a man's needs, quote. And the clip ends with Newton saying that when a woman declares herself to be a boss biatch, the response is, but you can't cook, and you don't know when to be quiet, and you don't know how to allow a man to lead. What's worse, those comments... Or this clown Newton trying to play quarterback in the NFL now? We know why his old Panthers coach Ron Rivera would not even blink in his direction to be his quarterback for the Washington Commanders. The juice used to be worth the squeeze for Newton, but it's not now. Now, I'm not surprised that he has a knuckle-dragger opinion of women, but I am surprised his willingness to state the opinion on the record. Like I said earlier, common sense isn't very common. Wow. That's your pick six to wrap up the sports cage. Coming up tomorrow, we'll hear from Farhan Lalji. We'll also uh, talk some Rough Riders football. And, uh, yeah, lots of guests that are kind of in the mix right now. But as you know, we always have a loaded show right here on 620 CKRM. Your source for sports is the sports cage. We'll talk to you tomorrow.